This podcast brought to you by TechSmith. More A2 is software for usability testing and user experience research, enabling you to test quickly and often, letting you solve real design issues. By PowerMapper. Mapping your site has never been easier. PowerMapper extracts links from each page of your site until it's mapped your entire site, providing you with a complete inventory. By OptimalSort. With an elegant user interface, powerful analysis, and outstanding support, OptimalSort can help you run successful card sorts better than you ever thought possible. And by Boxes and Arrows. Since 2001, Boxes and Arrows has been a peer-written journal promoting contributors who want to provoke thinking, push limits, and teach a few things along the way. For other events happening all over the world, be sure and check out events.boxesandarrows.com. Jennifer Bove from Huge and Ben Fullerton from Audio sat down with me shortly after their presentation to discuss their ideas from We'll Always Have Paris, What Makes a Memorable Service Experience. We explore the six key elements outlined during their presentation about what it takes to design services that keep people coming back for more. We probe into the dynamics of service design from real-world examples of businesses that provide unique experiences, including a shoe company that will actually order a pizza for their clients, as well as order products from competitor sites just to keep their customers satisfied. Jennifer and Ben outline why people get excited about intangible services in the same way they lust after the latest shiny toy that just came out on the market. It was a great pleasure chatting with Ben and Jennifer, and I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers. Uh, yeah, my name is Jennifer Bove. I'm from a company called Huge. We're based out of Brooklyn, New York. Okay. Uh, and my name is Ben Fullerton, um, and I work for IDEO here in the Bay Area. Great. And at UX Week uh, this week, you guys uh, gave a presentation called We'll Always Have Paris, What Makes a Memorable Service Experience. And I really like that title. Uh, we'll Always Have Paris. And actually, it's perfect because everyone thinks about Paris in terms of having lovely memories. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and it actually conveys uh, what I've been talking about with other people too around this concept of emotion that mm -hmm. we keep hearing about at UX Week and trying to integrate that into what we do. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the first questions that you asked in your presentation is what makes a service experience different from a product experience? And, um, maybe what what do you why, what sort of encouraged that that question there? What's that about? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, I think when we talk about you always have Paris, we're talking about the you um, you hold on to memories of an experience and things like a trip to Paris, a vacation, those things. They're intangible and they're made up of many, many different points uh, of, of the experience, if you will. And I think services, unlike products, are like that. So with a product, it's a it's a physical thing that you purchase and you hold in your hand. But you can't hold a bank account in your hand, for example. That's right. something you know. So uh, and your bank account. And your experience of having that relationship with the bank is made up of several different um, experiences put together. So, if you look at your bank account, for example, you've got you know you withdraw money, you take money out, you've got your uh, your experience with the bank tellers, you've got your experience with the uh, the folks on the on the call center line, right. and all of those things together make up your experience of the service. And so, when you're designing for um, an intangible time-based experience. To as a service, you have to have a different set of considerations than you do if you're designing uh, something that people can own and touch. Um, sure. So, in our presentation, we talked about how it's easy to design for what people find desirable in a product or in form. Um, so, I mean, one of the things we showed a picture of was a, an Audi R8. Okay. Um, and it's easy to kind of like look at an R8 and see how it's been designed to appeal to people. Mm -hmm. um, and people can look at that and they can say, yeah, I understand how holding this thing or owning this thing will make a, a positive difference to my life. But when you're trying to sell them something like an insurance policy or uh, health or like kind of uh, healthcare support service or you know mobile phone service, it's more difficult to explain how that will actually positively uh, impact 
because yeah, it's, it's intangible. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I think, I mean, the fact that these services are, they're, um, they're made up of several different interactions and the fact that they're time-based right. means, uh, means a couple of things. It means it's an opportunity for service designers to actually impact that experience over many, many different places. Yep. Um, I think the other nature of services that is different from products is that they're inherently people-based. Yes. So while, you're, while it may involve products, for you know, you you access your mobile phone service through your mobile phone. Yeah. You know, you've got your ATM card that you use to access your bank account. They all of in in even you know in many of them are mediated by technology. Like look at you know Amazon.com things like that. All these websites that people think of as products, they're actually services. Mm -hmm. They're all really based on interactions that we have with people, and therefore it's those interactions really impact the way we um, we remember those experiences. Right, and so basically. Uh, Drawing from that interaction design has a huge impact on how we can design good services for people as well. Sure. sure. Yeah. Um, there's a, I mean, service design is something I mentioned later on in, in one of the six points, but service design was first um, proposed as, a, as an idea by um, a lady called Lynn Shostak. Yep. Um, and she wrote for Harvard Business Review, published an article called um, How to Design a Great Service, and then another one called Designing Services That Deliver. Um, and her kind of idea was. Um, Based more in a, like a marketing or a business analyst perspective, and that was way back in the early eighties. Okay. Since then, um, with the rise of interaction design, um, interaction designers around the world have begun to understand how they can how they can uh, use the skills they have as, as kind of like user focused or customer focused designers and apply those to business processes and okay. kind of center a business around the needs of the consumer rather than around the needs of the business. Right, and you see a lot, a lot, a lot of in website design as well in terms of how things are written. A lot of times, things are written by the business. For the right. business without writing it for the language or the or the structure of the mental model right. of as we learned from Indy Young's session earlier this week sure. um, about how people think about things in that context rather than the business. Right, exactly. I and mean, that that would be um, if you think about the website as part of a, uh, of a wider service. I mean, that again, that's a, it's a touch point into the service. And if you design the service, then hopefully the kind of like quality of your design decision should be should be manifested somehow in, in, in the website as well as in the customer call center or in the however else you access this. Right. So you talked about, uh, in your presentation, you actually talked about six characteristics of a successful services. And, uh, and Ben, the first one was this idea of responsiveness. So mm -hmm. could you chat a little bit about what you mean by that? Yeah, sure. Um, it's different from um, how we might think about responsiveness when we uh, design a product. So you know, if you have an action, it has an instant reaction. Um, when we talk about it, responsiveness in terms of uh, service, it's how it responds to your particular needs at that moment in time okay. you access it. So um, the example in the presentation I had was of a, um, a car um, and how a car kind of does the same thing every time you use it. And you normally have the same driver to use the car you want to get from one point to the other. But when you think about something like, again, a bank account, um, you may want to transfer money, you may want to take money out, you may want to invest some money somewhere, you may want to do any number of things with this, with this service. Of course. Um, and it's how that service responds to your needs where at the point in time at which you access it. That's important. Um, and the example we had was uh, of a company called Zappos, okay, who um, really kind of focus a lot of their um, their effort on customer service. I mean, their tagline is they're fanatical about customer service, and um, I've heard stories of uh, call center agents there um, ordering pizza. If you phone, I mean, they're a shoe store ostensibly; they sell shoes and bags and clothes. But if you phone Zappos customer service and say, "Hi, uh, can you order me a pizza?" then they will do that for you, even though they don't actually sell pizza. Really? Um, yeah, it's um, wild. It's, it's crazy. And, and another example is uh, if you um, you call them up and you say, "Hey, I like these um, I like these brogues 
um, in brown and size 10. Um, if they don't have brown or size 10, they will search a competitor's website like Nordstrom, for example, and actually place an order on your behalf on the Nordstrom site for you, just so that you, you, you get a great service. Wow, that's yeah. crazy customer service. It is. I mean, that, that really is kind of going to, 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 to the nth degree. And they, um, they ensure this. I mean, they've designed in like kind of lots of interesting ways of ensuring that their customer service agents are really going to do this, or kind of go that extra, that extra um, step. Um, one of the things, or the, the example I, I, I highlighted in the talk was that um, after an initial four-week training period, mm -hmm. they offer their um, employees $1,000 to quit. So like you join the company, you've had an initial training period, uh, here's a thousand dollars. Take it, take the cash, and walk away. Um, wow. And by okay. doing that, they kind of like there's a it's like a quality filter. So that ensures that only the people who are like passionate about the company, who really do want to, to work at Zappos, end up working at Zappos. If you're just there for the money, you're going to go great, grand. I'll, um, I'll see you later. Right. But um, but if you actually really do want to, to join them and want to work for the company and deliver customer service, then you probably stay. So, and that's an interesting design decision. Uh, Absolutely. Well, it's a different approach, right? right? In terms of a company, like it's it's it's. Uh, I've never heard of that before. In terms of a company offering you money to leave, right? I almost be like, well, if you don't want me, I'll go. But yeah. you know, I, I'll take your money too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah But yeah, I understand yeah. what you're saying, right? Like, if the only thing that's driving you is money, yeah, right? Then you can get a job right anywhere to make to money. Precisely, right? right? That yeah. idea, right? Right, 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 right. And this, and this, and the second element. Uh, yeah, we, well, we also yeah. talked a bit about con consistency. Right. As we said, you know, services are made up of multiple interactions, and so it's really important as a service designer to consider the sum of all of those actions right. and interactions and the ways that you interact with a, a service brand. So we took the example of Virgin America, for example, and you know, we have that there's the Virgin America website where you go and you you can buy your tickets. Then there's the check-in pro process, and at Virgin America, they have these sleek tables with monitors and flowers on them, and they you know they print out little tiny boarding cards for you. That the language that they that their attendants use at the gate, things like that. And then when you when you're on the plane, they've got their special mood lighting. They've got Red, the interactive service, things like that. And you can see that Virgin America has put a lot of effort into really detailed design. Of each of those touch points to make sure that people understand what they're going to come to expect from Virgin America and that that experience is consistent. And they do that with the, with the detailed design decisions around the language that they use, around the tone of voice of the brand, around, um, around the way they refer to their customers as guests, things like that. And it's all embodied in the way that they uh, have chosen to, um, to communicate who they are, mm -hmm. which is above the board. Like, you know, better than average services, like better than you're going to expect, you know, fun, things like that. They're, um, so they, they go to great lengths to create a consistent experience for their customers. Kind of reminds me of what Don Norman was saying at the keynote at the start of the conference about how he's sick and tired of people, people calling others users. Yeah, right, exactly. Right? They're people. Yeah. And so the Virgin experience, it's sort of, it's that shift from users to actually treating people like they're people. People, right, exactly. Right? That kind of yeah. I, it's, it, that's an interesting point. I think, um, and, and I don't really know why, but over the last few years, I've begun to develop a, a certain amount of antipathy towards the term user. Um, it just sounds too dark. Yeah, I have a great it just sounds too one-dimensional. This, this person's using your your thing or whatever, and it's not. It doesn't kind of do enough to suggest the range of emotions that someone has when they use whatever it is they're using. But I think in terms of service, it's an interesting. Um, it's an interesting design opportunity to think about the language that the people who represent your brand are using when they speak with their customers and people. So in this case, you're on the plane and you've got these flight attendants and the way that they speak, the way they refer to the interactive system is read and things like that and the, the, you know, the, the speech that they give when they're talking about the safety features of the flight and that sort of thing. 
that's um that's all scripted, but it's all scripted very carefully in a way that's going to that's going to contribute to the experience that the, the passengers have. Absolutely. The the uh, the third element that you guys talked about, the third characteristic. So yeah, um, adaptable uh, refers to how a service can react and solve problems um, on the fly in a way that a product can't. So when a product breaks, normally you have to return to a specialist for repair. Um, of course, that might take some quite a long time. But if you're talking about a service, um, it can just kind of adapt itself on the fly to react to whichever problem you have. Um, and a great example of this um, is provided by uh, City Car Share, who are another car share uh, organization here in the Bay Area. Um, and I don't know, do they have other? I think it's local. Right, just local. So um, I had a friend who uh, reserved a, uh, a car with City Car Share um, during the base breakers race. And um, two weeks before his reservation, um, a, call, a call center agent from City Car Share called him up and said, the traffic's going to be horrible because the beta breakers race is on. So we're going to extend your booking by two hours before and two hours after. So you can get to where you need to go. And that when you return the car, you won't be penalized for a late return. Wow. Nice. Uh, which is a, right, exactly. It's like, it's it's a wow moment. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember like kind of him putting down the phone and going, how did they know? <laughs> but the thing about it is it's like, it, again, the service has been designed in such a way that it can like kind of, react to any problems it sees arising and then you know somehow that can be dealt with and this was completely preempted i mean he, he never even had to encounter the problem it was fixed before he even there and that's something that could never happen for product right right yeah. so, brilliant and that sort of leads into this idea of, of, of the fourth point which is this concept of, of tailoring things for people in a way i guess well yeah because yeah. because the service is something that you experience over time you there's there are opportunities to to get to know your the, the customer over the course of those interactions and then make that experience more meaningful for them and if you as opposed to a product say for example you know my iphone i can type into my iphone and it, it's a tell it's an intelligent product it can guess what i'm trying to type sure. but it's not going to get better at guessing how i type mm -hmm. as i go along and it's not going to be able to tell the difference between how i type or how ben types it can't learn it can't that kind of thing no yeah. and it's not going to um and it's not going to learn about me differently over the course of our interactions. Right. So when you look at a service, for example, you, um, you have that opportunity. TiVo is a good example of a service that, that um, people like to talk about, the, 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 um, the, sort of the engine that TiVo, TiVo uses to, um, to record programs that people might like. And they do, you know, TiVo can do that because the box is connected to a service, and that service is tracking what you record and then it can record other programs based on your behavior that it thinks you might like. And it's not always accurate. There's, a, there's an example of a, um, uh, there's a line that made it into the King of Queens TV show, my TiVo thinks I'm gay. Oh, yeah. Because like, you know, <laughs> if you, I don't know, you watch a lot of Project Runway or something like that, then yeah. it, you know, it, uh, it starts to pick up on your behaviors and it starts to try to, to profile you and sort of guess who you are. So it, it's not always, um, that's an example of it not always being accurate, but, um, but that, that being able to track your behavior and then customize your experience based on that is what we're getting at. Um, another thing that we looked at are grocery stores. And now grocery stores, you know, as, as the physical environment of the grocery store is, is is nothing if not designed, right? I mean, you've got your your really popular products are at eye level and products that kids are gonna wanna grab off the shelves or at their height and things like that. And the, the way that the store is laid out is designed intentionally to take you through at a certain flow and you know maximize your potential purchase 
purchasing. That's, that's I never would have thought about that. No, you know, it's I, true. I thought I knew that I knew that most of what you need to live and, and eat healthy was sort of around the outside of the grocery store. Right, and all exactly. Junk was it's in the middle. middle. Right, right. But right. I didn't think of it from that perspective in terms of the kids, you know, being it's at the true. lower level. It's never, true. It's true. It's a whole there's a whole that. art to that. Yeah. But but the thing about the grocery stores, so every time I go to the grocery store, things are gonna be more or less in the same place. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna have a you know, I'm gonna have a pretty good idea of where to find things. But it's not like the grocery store is going to make that any easier for me for one trip to another, right? Yes, it's not course. going to. Everything's always going to be in the same place, and it's not going to. It's not going to be able to anticipate what I need when I get there, right? That's completely up to me. Now, if you juxtapose that with the idea of a service versus a physical store, Fresh Draft, which is um, a Long Island City-based food delivery service um, for folks in the New York City area, and if you if you look at the the way Fresh Direct does things, because they um, because they're not a physical store, they can layer intelligence because it's a service. They can they can add a layer of intelligence over its product offerings to give a more tailored experience. So, for example, FreshDirect is going to um, it's going to it knows what I what I've bought week to week. Mm -hmm. So the primary touch point for dealing with FreshDirect is is the website, and it tracks the orders that I've made. And I can go back and I can look at what I've ordered week to week. I can actually browse the shelves just according to things I've already purchased. Okay. Stuff like that. It's got it's got a recipe database, and I can do like with one click, I can purchase all the things that I need to make certain recipes. Oh, that's great. Yeah, stuff like yeah. that, and and it allows me to set up reminders to remind myself to 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 you know buy these things weekly or these things monthly and that kind of stuff. And and you can see how when you start to you start to layer that kind of intelligence based on my behavior, it could it could start to do it doesn't, but it would be great if it could yeah. do things like, oh hey, you're gonna be out of milk soon. Yes. Or you know, you should really finish up that yogurt because you bought it two weeks ago and it's yeah. gonna go bad. Exactly. So so that kind of thing. There's an opportunity with services and, and technology and sort of tracking the way people do things over time and and the different um, kind of the different place they are right. at each step of those interactions and, and the different needs they've got to really tailor the service. Another example uh, I mentioned uh, in the talk was um, was an offline example, and I, I, I can't prove that this is true, but okay. but it speaks to um, it, it speaks to the the the, the quality of, of memory, if you will. So I, um, I last time I was in San Francisco, I stayed at the W Hotel, and so when I checked in, they gave me my room key, and they also gave me these coupons for the Conran shop in New York City. Okay. And so I just checked in and gave them my credit card, and you know my credit card billing address is in New York, and. So I got these coupons, and I thought, wow, that's great. The W Hotel knows me, and they know that I'm from New York, and I'm going to need these coupons. You know, I, I can't use coupons for, for L.A. or you know or somewhere else, and they, right. they gave me the right ones. That may not be true. They may have given everybody coupons for New York, you yeah. know, for Conrad's in New York, but it made me feel like, you know, that they were really paying attention to who I, who I was, yeah. and it, it added sort of a high-touch, you know, aspect to the experience and created a memorable experience for me of their hotel. You know, and I think that's a great example because I think a lot of companies, uh, well, not a lot of companies, but my experience has been a lot of people tend to think, you know, we've got to do something over the top spectacular to provide a great service. And it's 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 not. I mean, it's the little things that people aren't expecting. Exactly. Right? Like, like yeah. what you just illustrated that exactly. that just sort of go, you know, that was really nice. Like when I arrived here at the hotel, um, you know, doing these podcasts, Adaptive Path, you know, they sent me up this nice fruit plate with cheese and a little bottle of wine, right? right. And I'm, That's so nice, and, yeah. I'm sitting, and I'm sitting there going, like, okay, I would have been comfortable at the Holiday Inn. I'm sitting at the Palace Hotel, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. I'm just I'm just sort of, that's who I am, right? Yeah. Like, I don't need to stay in a big swanky hotel to yeah. be comfortable, to be happy. And when someone knocks on my door bringing me, you know, cheese and crackers and grapes and a bottle of wine, 
I'm sitting back going, wow, you know, like yeah. that's, that's, that's sort of, that's remarkable. You know, that's, that's yeah. something really, that's really nice. It's nothing ostentatious. It's not like they went out and spent, you know, $500 or something yeah. and it's, it, because it's not even about the money, right? Yeah, it's no. about that experience and that service. I mean, that actually goes into one of our other points, which was about, you know, creating rewarding experiences, right? right? Because this is something that, that unfolds over time, there are lots of opportunities to, to add those little touches that, that keep customers, um, you know, engaged with the service because, Let's be honest, it's a lot easier to leave a service than it is a product, yes. right? To actually like give up something you've purchased and you own. Mm -hmm. But a service, you, you have to, it, it's especially in, in a market where there are lots of, you know, lots of options. You, you really, there needs to be something in it for the user, for the customer in order to want to, to engage with it. You know, and what's in it for me is a, is a really, is an interesting question to ask. Um, and either royalty, there are loyalty programs everywhere, you know, we have frequent flyer, frequent guest, frequent shopper, all that kind of stuff. You know, and they're all pretty similar, but when you when you think about it in terms of the details and those little touches, mm -hmm. things that are just like you said, things that just go above the expectation, um, you can really provide a lot of customer delight in that. I've just, sorry, I've just seen something out of the window that's another good example of, um, of a little detail. Sure, um, great. So I've never seen the top of a UPS delivery truck. Okay. Right. But I have just seen the top of two UPS delivery trucks as I drive past the window. Um, on the top, there's a big, in big letters, there's an advert for UPS's air pickup service, right? Brilliant. Which is a really good example of, again, something that's been designed to make your potential customers aware of an aspect of your service. Mm -hmm. um, and no one is going to see that, right? Unless they're in the air flying a helicopter, for example. Yeah. And I just, I just kind of saw that and thought, oh, that's... Or someone's, someone's thought about that. Yeah, or, or if people are like us looking down on the street, mm -hmm. right, and they start to see things, and especially um, when you're driving around in a, a large city like San Francisco, where a lot of people are looking out their windows down, they can see that from, from right. above, right? right? Giving that little design, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's actually kind of ingenious. Yeah, you think about it. It really is, yeah. I was at the, uh, I never saw the, I, I never saw the uh, arrow in the FedEx logo. For right. the longest time. Yeah. yeah. If you look at the FedEx logo between the Yeah. Right? Never saw it. I was at a, a conference, a BizThink, a designers conference here yeah. in San Francisco recently, and Daniel Rose from Bell Canada was pointing that out and he goes, Has anyone has anyone did anyone not ever see the arrow on the yeah. FedEx logo? And I think I was the only one to put up my hand. He goes, Do you see it now? Yeah, and I'm gonna see it now forever. forever. And it's all <laughs> I'm ever gonna see. But thank you. But yeah. it, it just it tied the whole the whole logo yeah. together, that yeah. experience. Yeah. Sort of like the just like you pointed out with the UPS yeah. with the airplane. And that's that's a, that's cool. that's a beautiful piece of branding, the FedEx, the FedEx logo. It, it really is. It's just it doesn't you know, you look at it and it's just suggestive of something that moves, yes. which is great. That's what you want in the delivery yeah. service is one that actually goes somewhere. Um so the last point we had um, was uh, efficiency. Okay. And I alluded to this earlier um, when I was talking about Lynn Shostak's work uh, and, and publications as part of business journal. Um, efficiency is about the kind of like the meat of service design projects. Most of the time you're designing um, a series of processes okay. um, and how uh, internal actors within an organization relate to each other and kind of align themselves in the best way to deliver the best customer experience of your service. Um, and naturally, you're going to have to like kind of encounter um, aspects of business efficiency. So, more efficient businesses are better placed to, to deliver a better experience. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of what this point is about. Is that because lots of people think about service design, they're like, what am, what am I actually designing? And normally, it's like kind of we have a document called the service blueprint. Um, it kind of like is a big, what it sounds like a blueprint of how a service works. Uh, it lists all of the potential kind of touch points a customer has with the service. 
um, what they can do with each touch point, what happens when they do something, where does it go from the thing within the system, um, who picks it up, what are the backstage processes that need to align with, with each other to deliver experience back to them. Sounds like a storyboarding process. It kind, kind of is, of. yeah. Um, like an, it's analogy. like a well, it's like an operations map. Yeah, it's a big. Yeah. It's like a storyboarding is more like a, it would be like more of a stacked kind of um, walk through a particular okay. engagement. But right. but service blueprint tries to kind of like illustrate all of the engagements all at once. It's almost like an application <laughs> map, but for people. Right. Okay. All right. right? That I makes think, sense. There you go. Cool. Yeah, and I, you know, Don Norman actually talked about this a little bit in um, in his opening remarks for the um, for this conference when he. Um, he was talking a lot of people use the analogy of sort of front of stage, back of stage, or front of the house and back of the house when they talk about service design. And the thing about service design is that you're not just designing those only, you're not designing only those key points where, where you are a, a person, a, a user, a customer interacts with the service, but you're also designing what happens in order to enable that, which is what, you know, where the efficiency comes in. Right. And the thing that Donald Norman mentioned was that, so if you take, if I'm, we'll take a bank again, if I'm a customer, the bank, that front stage for me is the bank itself and the, the, the tellers, the people who work there, and that experience, and that's, um, that's the stage for me. Now, if I work at the bank, I have the, the it, it, it's reversed, right? The front stage for me is the way I interact with the, my customers. The backstage for me are the people behind me running around. Now, if I'm one of those people behind me running around, the front stage for me is the people on the front lines who are working the teller booths, and the backstage for me are the people who are, you know, in the next room, in the other office, something like that. And you, you actually have to account for those relationships and dependencies, and the way that the, um, the way the operations work at each of those levels of the organization, because they all affect the way the service is delivered. It's almost like they're characters in a play. Yeah. Using the stage analogy and, yeah. and your perspective on the on the experience of the service is dependent upon you, the role that you're playing as a character in that particular yeah. quote unquote play. Right? Yeah. yeah. And a, a, another kind of point worth making here is that um, if you have a well-designed service, um, it's almost almost really doesn't matter about the the kind of like the quality of the customer touch points as long as the service itself works in a really good way to deliver a good experience. Zappos is a great example of that. The Zappos website is kind of horrible. Okay. Um, it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's fair enough. Of, it is. That's fine. We, are, we all know bad design when we see it, right? Right. Yeah. Fair enough. But I mean, it's it, it it you could do some work there to make it like kind of uh, a bit slicker. Let's just, I mean, that's maybe a more polite way. But the service that you get from Zappos is amazing, and that's what people remember. They don't remember the fact that the website looks a bit crafty. Right. They remember that uh, this company is amazing. I got my shoes like the day after I I, I ordered them. Um, where every interaction I have with this company with this company is amazing. I don't really care that the website's not that good. And using Don Norman's example, people people are more important. People, it's more memory is more important than. That's reality. what he said. Experience yeah, right? is memory. Yeah. Right. So I mean, you can you can make changes, and you can have a horrible website, or you can have you can make changes to something. But as long as people remember that they had a good experience before, they're willing to tolerate a few extra clicks or a few extra pain points within the website or, or within the service itself, right? right. Because it was they, they have a memory of it being very good. Exactly. Because it's a service, so it's it's about more than just the website. Right. right. Exactly. So, brings us back to Paris. Yeah. It brings it's us about, back to Paris. It's about how, how you get there, where you eat, what you see, the people you talk to. I mean, it's, it's really the sum of all of your interactions while you're on vacation, et cetera, for, for Humphrey and Ingrid. Um, yeah. It's a, an experience they always have, even though they never, you know, even though ultimately they have to, they're not destined to be together, they always have. 
and we will always have UX with you. Yes. <laughs> so, there you go. Exactly. so Jennifer and Ben, thanks very much for being on the Boxes and Arrows podcast. Thank you, Jeff. Best of luck to both you at Huge and at Thank you very much. Thanks. Cheers.